Welcome to another episode of the Transformation Podcast. I'm Chris Sanchez, and I'm joined with Darren Davis, senior leader here at the Harbor Church. In today's episode, Darren, we are talking to Nida Alsame. Nida is a singer at heart. I think her story sings. I think uh, she sings in the actual interview, and she was just a joy to be around. So what were some of your thoughts when you heard Nida's story? Yeah, first of all, good to be back with you again, Chris. Yeah. So good to be here. I liked uh, this story, and it was intriguing to me as a pastor because she grew up in the home of a father who was in vocational ministry. And just the power uh, through this story of not only a life transformed, but how that transformed life of Nida actually you know, affected her immediate family. I was deeply impacted by this, and I think y'all are really going to enjoy this one. So we invite you to listen in on to another profound testimony of a life transformed by God. Nida. Yes. I'm excited to have you here. Thank you. We had a kind of like a pre-group session. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, it was powerful. We were there for mm-hmm. like four hours at Julie's house, kind of hearing highlights of people's stories. And yours was one of the ones that jumped out to me the most. Mm. So if we can, let's start right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. What was the first experience or do you remember the first time you ever heard the name Jesus? Well, my spiritual environment growing up, we would do devotions every night. My dad was just very devout and wanting everyone in our family just to know who Jesus is and stuff like that. So I just remember giving my life to Jesus every time I prayed. And then one time him saying, every time I prayed, prayed, Jesus, come into my heart (laughs) and forgive me. And he's like, Nadia, you only have to do it once. And I think I was probably four or five at that point. And I would do it every time. And I just, I remember from the time I was cognizant of it until I was maybe 14, it was kind of just nominal. Like I didn't really get it. And at that time, my church was, my dad's church was very charismatic. They were influenced by the Toronto blessing. He was very staunch Baptist before that. And then he went to go check out this thing. I don't know if you've heard of the Toronto blessing, but like it's this huge movement that happened, revival People were just getting healed, manifestations in the spirit, like people, just different things that were just a big deal. And he got radically touched and changed by God there and came back. And people were coming from all over the world, getting healed of all kinds of sicknesses. People were what's called falling out in the spirit, like all that stuff. And so me, I remember being 11 and 12 and not understanding it. And I remember even mimicking some of the movements, like trying to just like I didn't get it. And I was I was in my own world of yeah just trying to figure out who I was so it wasn't until I was 14 that God and Jesus became super real to me in a way where I really gave my life to him well what was that like what was that family dynamic like walking and having your dad as a pastor and Mm -hmm. being involved in the church so heavily as a kid it just was a natural part of life we didn't see it I know a lot of people grow up in the church and they feel neglected per se by their parents or that there's people looking at them to do things. I can speak for myself or even my siblings that it really, it was just what we knew. It wasn't good or bad. It wasn't hard or easy. It was just one thing that is true for all four of my siblings is none of us are uh, public speaking shy. 
Mm. And it's because we literally <laughs> grew up like you were one years old, had to give a solo on the mic. And yeah. we did everything. We were in ministry from the time we were kids. We ended up running the youth group, running all this different stuff. So I think it's the grace of God. The cool thing about it is that at church, we would be there and, you know, be in the thickets of ministry. But then back at home, my dad was consistent. Every single night we would do devotions as a family. Every single night we'd go around, everyone would pray. As we got older, we prayed all at the same time, but he would make us pray one by one. We would read a scripture one by one and we would sing a hymn. When we woke up in the morning, it was the same expectation on Saturday mornings. Forget it. Like you could not turn the TV on until you had prayed and read your Bible. So I remember like getting all slick. I was probably like 12, 13. I'd like get up, say, I'd read one word from the Bible. I'd be read the, and I'd put it down. And then I'd be like, thank you, Jesus. Amen. And then I'd go watch TV. Nida, did you read your Bible? Yup. Did you pray? Yup. Because for me, it was like, I prayed. Like, yeah. I'm not lying, you know? Right. So, right. so it was- Jesus wept. Yeah, right? Next I'm done. Verse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I think for my siblings, we just, you know, I think the grace of God held us until it became real to us. Because I know a lot of horror stories of kids breaking under the pressure and like just going well and out. I was probably the most rebellious- and it was all two-faced because in the church, I was everybody's goody two-shoe. But then while I was at school, I was, you know, having boyfriends behind their back. Like I was the, I was the wild one and nobody knew it. How do you look back at that time? Do you feel resentment or do you feel fondness of it or about that time when you're being either rebellious and you had to have certain things done before you could even watch TV? You know, I, I kind of laugh at it. It was... I don't, I don't know. I do feel a little bit of fondness when I think about it. Like we couldn't, I, I think I laugh at myself because the things I would do to get around it, like we couldn't listen to secular music. So yeah. we'd be busting out to Y100 and then dad would come and we put it all the way down. I was obsessed with the Backstreet Boys at this point, but my dad, he called them the Beach Boys and he was like, they were of the devil. So he'd be like, so one time I was sleepwalking and I didn't, I didn't know I was sleepwalking, but he was in the living room praying because he would often, you'd get up in the middle of the night and he's on his knees in the living room praying. So like he was in the living room and I'm sleepwalking and I'm going to the front door saying, Backstreet Boys, wave for me. Backstreet Boys, wave for me. <laughs> and he's like, Nida, sit down. And he starts rebuking a demon of beach wow. boys because that's all he knows <laughs> and then he's like go get me your posters and i like took one out of like a hundred and gave it to him he ripped it up and he was like we're gonna go after this so i mean like i laugh because we were just we just tried to do our own thing and then i think when i was in eighth grade this is what i think changed things for me my sister went to a camp she's three years older than me she went to a christian camp and she came back and was so touched by God at that camp. And she came back and was breaking her CDs because, you know, CDs. And we stuff. all did that. I no, did that CD. too. So I took my CDs. I was like, I and I like broke them all. <laughs> Spice Girls yeah, and like yeah, yeah. Savage oh Garden God, and like so all of them. I like broke them. And I was, so that touched me. So, I mean, I look back with fondness now because there was a while I condemned my the little me, you yeah, know, because yeah. I like explored. I think as a kid. I experienced bullying at school. And so I had a lot of rejection issues that I housed inside. And so that mixed with trying to figure out and realizing that I was very talented since I was a kid, things came naturally to me and people would applaud. So it kind of warped my little worldview into performance. Mm. Talent or proving I don't know but I would compete with all the boys at arm wrestling and I'd beat them I'd race them and like I would play sports I like played a bunch of sports yeah 
And I don't, and it came easy to me. That was the mm. thing is that here I was doing this thing that God naturally gave me awesome. and I could be loved. So I had trophies upon trophies. I was school president, homecoming princess. From an early age, I rode on it and did things that I look back that I, for a long time, I like condemned that little girl, but later realizing how, you know, yeah, just well, compassion. Where was music in all this? Mm. Where was your worship in all this? Wow. Thank you for asking that. You're welcome. When I was, one of the first songs I wrote was when I was six years old and it was after a bullying episode and it was called Nobody Likes Me. And I literally, I know my, I didn't know this until for years, my sister, my siblings would make fun of me about it, but I would get made fun of and the course would always be the same. Nobody likes me. Nobody likes me. And then the verse would change based on the episode of, of like bullying. So I literally would sing this to myself. I laugh now, but, and I think it, the reason I'm able to laugh so much now and delight in it is because of how much inner healing God has just like done and with therapy and different things that, you know, have helped. But at the time, it was like putting this deep message, you know, inside of me uh, of that. And so I, so there was that. I started to write from an early age. Then I remember being in middle school, somebody would do like a freelance rap. I want to do that. So I like just started rapping. I like made this rap and then everybody was so impressed because, you know, I just made it up and words came naturally to me. So, so words became like this thing for me. And like my, my second song I wrote was in seventh grade that I, nowadays everyone claims to be a Christian and you hear them say, look at the Lord has done for me today. I will believe them, but sometimes their actions say no way. So it's time now for us to pray. I wrote that in seventh grade. Whoa. That, you know? So I, so music and words were like something that just kind of came naturally, right? And then it wasn't until I was 16 or 17, my cousin had this guitar and I took one of the hymns that we used to play as a kid, was playing on the guitar and my dad came home. I was like, look, dad, look at this guitar. You know, these songs that I um that I'm playing on it and he was so happy and impressed that he bought me a guitar the next month for my 17th birthday and literally from there I started writing and the rest has been history because that for me gave me into my own hands the ability to um, write full music that expressed what I felt we were totally different in school really achiever trophies yeah. singing words come naturally i was the loser didn't want to talk to anybody no. leave me alone <laughs> but i did have the same experience i remember going to a, a retreat as well and i'm like weird al you know what i want to rip your cd i, I can't listen to oh anymore. really yeah, i yeah, can't yeah. do this is bad it was That's hilarious so funny. it was so funny come to jesus all right so you you're going through that in your teens you graduate from high school mm -hmm. you're becoming more independent mm -hmm. what's it like Going to church in this phase, because this is kind of a phase where people start becoming themselves. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like in high school and middle school, you're kind of finding it out. Mm -hmm. What you like, what you don't like. But in your 20s is when you start establishing you know, sure. patterns for what you're going to be as an adult. So take us take us in that phase right there. Sure. So for me, it was really when, when I got um, really came to the Lord at age 14, mm -hmm. I went cold turkey on everything. And, and making that decision, I made a vow to like give my life to God with everything. And so what that did is all through high school and into college, I 
literally I, at that point I was leading Bible studies at my school first priority. Like then I began to just like seek God in everything. I literally, I, like I told you, eighth grade, I was like school president, ninth grade, I was school president, homecoming princess and all of that. But as the years progressed, by the time I got to 12th grade, I was wearing no makeup. I was wearing baggy clothes. And it, and it was because I was like, I don't need anything else but Jesus, you know. And wow. so it was like this reabandoning, reabandoning of, of everything else and forsaking it just to, to follow him. So I was a part of my dad's church because he's a pastor. But I found this youth group that was near our church that I started to serve, not serve yet, but like go through their youth group. And so as I was a part of their youth group, then I was encountering, you know, God in in whole new ways. So it just became this place of, I think at one point I was going to like four or five different churches at one time because I was just hungry. I was like, where is God? I want to, I want to see him. And like literally had the lineup. And as I continued into my early twenties, what was happening is at home. So here was this passion for Christ and to find who I was in him growing but at home, the expectations of ministry and doing what my parents wanted me to do started to, how can I express this? They started really weighing on me in a way that made me feel divided because I wanted to, I wanted to go to ministry school. I wanted to do different things, but my parents were very strict about, nope, you're not going away for college. You're not going to ministry school. You're going to study this. You're going to become a lawyer. It was very like, Yeah, it was just very, there was no room for me doing anything outside of going to school, getting this degree in law, which was the plan, and then me leading all the kajillion ministries that I was leading at the church. Kind of like you you didn't even have freedom because their expectations Mm -hmm. put parameters on what they thought you could do. And because I was, and because I was, I had got everybody used to doing exactly what they wanted all the time. When I started to realize that my heart was shifting, it was not easy to get out of that mold. I started, honestly, to become very miserable Mm. and just felt like I was a puppet doing everything everyone wanted and the things that God was beginning to show me about myself and like all that stuff. It it finally led to somewhat of a showdown where I felt God call me to leave their church and to leave my house. And... Dude, if you know anything about the Haitian culture, like, it's just you don't do that. You don't leave the house until you're married. And if your dad's a pastor, you serve in that church. What do you mean another church, another house? Would you say this is the the toughest time, I guess, kind of in your walk? I mean, because it's a real testing, right? Yeah. I'd still struggle on how much I share and not share because yeah. it was, you know, just to honor my family. But I mean, it was rough to say the least leaving for me i was like god what do you mean you want me to go i am the apple of their eye they're gonna say i'm pregnant they're gonna say i am the uh, prodigal son like what what do you mean i was the example everybody wanted just to go from glory in this type of place and i remember one day going to my dad's church when nobody was there and weeping and saying god this is so scary i don't want to do this but if this is what you ask of me this is what you require of me. Then I'll go, God, I'll lay down my reputation. I'll lay down, you know, all this stuff. And when I, I fell asleep there and I had this dream where I saw the the crux of my persecution, uh, like my family turning their back on me and so many different things. And within like a month, I think the height of what I saw is exactly what started to happen. I mean, I had everything from their church leadership sitting 
around me like a tribunal. They're putting anointing oil on me to cast out the demon that they believe that the devil is influencing me to leave because I just went, I was like, God is calling me to do this. And they were just not having it. And one time my, my dad used to make anointing oil and he would put in cinnamon and different things. And so one time they put the anointing oil on me in front of like 10 other elders of their church and it was burning my eye. And if, but if I moved, they would have been like, look, it's the demon manifesting. So I literally had to sit there and it was burning my eyes. But oh. like, as they like prayed, what do you feel? And I'm like, I just feel like God is telling me they're like, there's this one, they have pastors from out of town. Like sometimes the, you know, love for God is good, but when it's too much, it's not good. And like, I mean, getting hit with a stick, getting told, well, if, if this is what God asks you, then I don't believe in him. The enemy, like my family, it was rough. I like did the unimaginable and when I the day that I left and I moved out I like went so silent with it in terms of anytime they'd ask me I would tell them the same thing and not say many words but the day I left people were watching for months to see if I was pregnant people were talking bad my my family honestly they took it they took it hard and there was not a level of release it was just this is the worst thing it was the devil and long story short ended up at the harbor right at at leaving around that time like i had already started visiting in a harbor the, a year before that when god started to first speak this message of of leaving or he gave me a dream that a year later when a prophet came and like started to speak okay i see you thriving in another church and i see you leaving and it's your time to leave the dream that i had a year before that didn't make sense completely happened and the message was it's your time to leave so by the time that happened i knew of the harbor started coming and it became it became my literal harbor and haven as I grieved this brokenness with my family, but started to encounter God with all the boundaries being removed, all of the pressure to perform. I think months and months I would come and I would just, I was encountering God with the spirit of joy, mm. which made no sense after such a difficult time. And I think I told you this, it was when I first started coming to the harbor. I was used to ugly cry face when you were with the Lord, like just like, <laughs> yes, Lord, you know, and like just that's how you had to be serious. So when I started coming and I realized I was smiling, I was so ashamed. I like sat in the back row so I could smile with God because I was like, he was just like encountering me. So you would literally cover your mouth. I would literally cover my mouth and sit behind the back row so I could smile because I was just feeling such joy with him. And so, yeah, so it took a couple of years before my family came around and realized, wait, oh, she's not pregnant. Oh, and she does love God. Oh, miracles are happening mm. as she's praying for people in yeah. life. But man. So they saw a transformation in you. Mm -hmm. Talk about, to go back for a second, talk about that transformation in you. Mm. You knew you had something that you were willing to go through mm -hmm. what sounds like hell to get there. Talk about what he was doing in your heart mm. and the transformation that was going on inside of you totally so this was around the time where god really started to break off performance and to get to the core of who i was there was as i was coming here at the to the harbor god just started first of all i didn't jump into serving so i i went from literally i mean i was sunday school teacher bus driver youth pastor yeah you do jill everything jill, jill of all trade but like in a way that was your identity was wrapped up in in all of that doing all the while i didn't express this before 
all the while never feeling good enough. Because remember, very early on, it got warped into the rejection and how I would get approved by it. So the more and more I performed and the more trophies I got, the further and further away from love and acceptance I felt. And so by the time I started coming here and God started stripping away, number one, there was nowhere to serve, just come and receive. So there was nothing I was doing, but here goes this crazy infusion of identity that started to come in. So it was literally relearning. And one time in one of my encounters with God, he went back to that song because I used to imagine myself, right, as this unworthy person behind a curtain. And I had this fake Nida in front of the curtains that had glitter and all this stuff. And people would clap because I would get compliments and people would admire me and love me. And there was always the sense that I was, that what they loved was this fake person I like created up front. And God would always say, I love you. I like you. I like you. And I would always imagine him seeing that other person. And that's why, so I could never really receive it. Mm -hmm. But then one day he showed me that he was behind the curtains and the Nida he was talking to was me. And he started to sing, Nida, I like you. Nida, I like you. Like my very song to me, it was just different things like that. Over and over again, he would reaffirm how he saw me. And the song, the song that you would sing when you at were... six years old, when I would get rejected, he started singing o- over me. I can say honestly, from that point, I'm still on that journey. But him redeeming and going back to places that were very traumatic, because they were, you know, all of it, and him going back to those places and almost like he's just reinserting what I should have gotten there into it. And it's changing my current, you know, process right now. That's powerful. You're taking this transformation Mm -hmm. and it's affecting, it has affected. Now you're here at the Harbor, you're serving Mm -hmm. on the Harbor and you said that your family has even come around Mm -hmm. too. Absolutely. So talk about how that transformation has affected the people around you. Hmm. Well, I know for a fact it's it's affected both my family as well as the people that God knew that he would bring me here to to bless and serve. So like with my family, they began to notice that God was doing things and that I, my passion for the Lord continued to grow in that in that place. And so eventually they would ask questions like, hey, so how is this going at the harbor? And they would allow my little sister to go to camps here. And most recently, my um, mom passed away last year September and at the funeral in October like even my dad requested specifically that Darren would come and speak into it there's just such an honor and like my dad and Darren have actually met because my dad has mission work in Haiti that he does and he just wanted to speak with Darren to see how we can get some harbor influence even in that place to teach there's still conversations being had but just even they saw the fruit in my life And just what God is doing, like being able to see how God uses this house in a way that for them, like there's, there's this desire to be unified in that sense. And just even to see my little sister, like I, I cry every time I think about her because I just love her so much. And she's just the way when I am just going after Jesus, going after emotional health, going after letting God heal trauma in my life in a real way. And just speaking, just the culture that I've been able to grasp here and live at home I literally see her doing the same and she the way she talks openly or like the other night I rem um because it's just her and I now in the house and I'm playing guitar and just I I just had had a 
rough time feeling disconnected from the father. And I was just worshiping there and I felt I was feeling God just, you know, I felt connected to him. And I turned, when I lay my guitar down, I listen and she's got worship music playing. And I'm like, you know, like just, just seeing different things like that, where me just being myself and the rawness, like sometimes I'll just tell her, man, I had a really rough moment this week. I was weeping and crying and like missing mom so much. And just the openness of letting God meet me there. I see her living and experiencing that. So there's so family, like in terms of what I've been able to give an influence, but then like, just even here, like God, that prophet guy totally called it the the way I've been able to just go after Jesus. That's the thing on my life. God told me once that he's given me, uh, he's made me a psalmist to my generation. And the thing I love about David is he just, it was just him and God. And sometimes it was ugly and he was like, God, what are you doing? And then the next is like, God, you're faithful just the way God has used words and music and expression here for me to just be on these different platforms to just worship him. I'm not trying to get any of y'all to do whatever. Like this is about me loving my best friend publicly and, and in a way that provokes other people to intimacy with him and to, to draw and cultivate their own relationships with him. So testimonies that I hear of people who feel so encountered by him and it's not me singing up there trying to, do anything except legit continue a conversation I already started before I got up there and so I mean like even the level I hold myself to to be real with God is serious because sometimes I'll like say something I'm like God you're awesome I'm like wait wait sorry I didn't mean that and and it's why do I say that because I'm like challenging myself don't just say these aimless words like where are you really what is God saying how do I go back to this place okay God this right here doesn't make sense or God wow thank you for this Mm. So in multiple places here in this community, I've been able to be myself and lead people into the realness. It's infectious. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know when I've been, because I do the live stream, I help out mm-hmm. with the live stream. And I know sometimes when you are in the spirit, like, mm-hmm. it's, and it's just, you can see it's just you and him. It's infectious. We, mm. all, we all get to that place. Mm. So Thank yeah, you. definitely affecting it here. Thank you so much for yeah, this. My this, pleasure. Is, this has been awesome. I know it's going to help a lot of people hearing your mm. story. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much. And if I could just say like one final word yeah, in terms it, of all it. of this, I would say like for anybody who is listening, I think the biggest lesson, I guess, that I'm learning in my walk with the Lord is to allow God to truly meet us in those places where we really are. And what I mean by that is one story that happened in my life that highlights this is I remember one day just trying to worship and do all this stuff and I'm like God I can't feel you you know like just just trying to like worship trying to say those words and he was like because you're not really there I am Emmanuel I'm God with you so where you really are is back there still processing this situation whether it be disappointment whatever so as soon as I let go of what I thought I was supposed to feel and supposed to say and supposed to be and just went to where I was immediately I felt his presence and there was breakthrough and love was able to have a conversation and and have a say in that place of where I was. I have really found that, yes, there is a place for declaring and saying what he says, but so many of us live in these external places where God isn't there because he's where you are. You are one with him. Getting real with where we are, getting help to do it too, like seeing a therapist, like I've been seeing a counselor for some years now on a frequent basis just allowing my heart to quiet the noise and allow God, his healing and his heart to come. And because of how he's created me, I've been able to sing from that place. 
But for other people, it might be they're a craftsperson. And when they go to that place and God is there, then they're able to create from that genesis, from that that core. So that's what I would say. That's it. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in to the Harbor Transformation Podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard. Please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download our Harvard Church mobile app. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.